day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. I just want to read something out to you and I want you to I want you to get stirred I want you to get stirred up about this God that we serve I want you to I want you to um, I want you to embrace who God is I want you to embrace his his goodness his capacity his his might and if it stirs you I want you to agree with me and if, if it, it I want you to buy into this heavenly father that we serve So let me just read this. There is only one living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, who is unchanging, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own constant and most righteous will. He is most loving. He is gracious, merciful. He is long-suffering. He is abundant in goodness and truth. He is forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself. He is all sufficient, not standing in need of anything which he has made, not deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his own glory through and upon them. He is the fountain of all being and of him, through him and to him are all things. His knowledge is infinite, infallible, and independent, and nothing to him is uncertain. He is the most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. He alone is worthy of our worship, and if we will not praise him, then even the rocks will cry out, praise to his name. Do you believe it, church? You know, that we we asked some of our... Uh, a, a few years ago, we asked some of our, our Bible college study students who they believe God is, and that's what they came up with. What a mighty God that we serve. You know, today I want to speak to your heavenly man. I want to speak to, to the eternal version of you. I want, I want to speak life beyond earth to you today. And my question for you today starts with this. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? There's an amazing verse that we all know, and it's from uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. Why don't we all say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved you and I, he so loved us that he gave his one and only Son. So that who? Who, who gets to do it? Who gets to buy into this Christ? Whosoever, anyone on the planet, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, the first part of our, of our vision this year is to trust in his salvation. You know, if you missed the, if you missed the um, Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, I encourage you to, to, um, to grab the CD or download the podcast or even grab the flyer up the back just to, just to get your head around what we're talking about this year as a church. Because I really feel like God's enlarging us as, as a body of believers to walk more boldly and walk confident in the salvation that he has given us. 
and to understand the authority that we walk in as well. So we trust in his salvation. Our peace, our confidence, our strength and our worth are a direct result of the trust that we have in his salvation. So this is what salvation is. Salvation is the restoration of your eternal relationship with God that was lost through sin. It's the restoration of your eternal self that was lost through sin. Now let me just give you a little, an explanation of what sin is. This is what the, the old Webster's 1828 dictionary says. It says this, Sin is the voluntary departure by someone from a known rule or duty prescribed by God. It's a great understanding of sin. We just think sin is doing the wrong thing. Now sin is when we voluntarily depart. Adam and, Adam and Eve voluntarily departed from a known rule, which was not to eat of a piece of fruit in the garden. They voluntarily departed from that. This is why we need to have complete grace and mercy for those outside of Christ. Because sometimes the things that we live and the way that we live, they're inher- inherited behaviours. And, and it's once we know who God is and what he's called us and the way that he's called us to live by, it's, not, it's only then that we walk in the, in, the, in the sin. So salvation begins like this. It begins with Jesus laying his life down in your and my place. And it ends with us confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And that a heavenly father raised him from the dead. I love Psalm chapter 16 verse 9. It says this. It says, my flesh will rest in hope. Our flesh, our lives rest in whatever we hope, whatever our hope is in. Now, if your hope is on earth, then your flesh is resting on earth. And earth is not a great place of rest, is it? But if your hope is in eternal things then your confidence and your rest and your assurance is coming that from the fact that you are going to be with our Lord Jesus for all eternity in the greatest place ever created. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And this is where our hope is. Our hope is with him in eternity. So if our flesh remains in what we hope for, the question is, where does your hope lie? What is your heart set on? Hebrews, 12, Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Or we could say, faith is the action we take towards the things that we hope for. Here's something interesting about Adam and Eve. They're, they're in the garden. They're in fellowship with God. Adam and Eve, at this point, they have an eternal relationship with God right there and then. Now, what happened in the fall of man, they actually lost two things. They lost their eternal relationship with God and they also lost the garden. God kicked them out of the garden. Now let's face it, the Garden of Eden sounded pretty amazing, didn't it? Pretty amazing stuff. You know, know, what, what we didn't have before, you know, what we didn't have in the Garden of Eden was weeds. Who's got weeds? I've got a million of them. And, uh, you know, I, I'm still, still upset with Eve for grabbing that piece of fruit. Because every time, every time I have to spray a weed or mow the lawn. This is my thought of the garden. Eden. grass only grew that high in the Garden of Eden. It never got higher than that. 
And then the devil invented the lawnmower. And then it's been negative ever since, hasn't it? But you know what? We lost our relationship with God and we also lost the garden. You can imagine the garden is beyond anything that we've ever seen. You know, if you've, if you've been to any botanical gardens or some, some of the amazing things around the world, you will know, you know, and we know that the Garden of Eden would be beyond measurable distance past those things. We know that it would be magnificent. Here's the thing. We lost two things, but we can only put our hope in one thing. Now, if our hope is to get back in the garden... That's one thing. Or if our hope is to be in relationship with the creator of the garden, that's another thing. See, God says the garden was on earth and it's a representation of great things on earth. And he says, will your hope be in the things of earth or will your hope be in your relationship with me, which is eternal? Because the garden is great and things on earth are great and he wants to give us those things to, to be blessed and to walk in and to use and to enjoy. But he wants our hope to be rested in his eternal greatness. Last week we discussed the verse from Psalm 119 that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp unto my feet representing you know, direction about today on earth and a light unto my path, which means I'm headed in an eternal direction. See, if we focus only on earth, we'll end up seeking what the earth says is significant. And if we focus only on heaven... We will become anti-church, anti-earth, anti-establishment. But God gives us this verse that says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He wants us to have our hope in eternal things by, while being present on earth. See, he's given us a job to do. That's why he says, I've got a lamp for your feet and a light unto your path. And he wants us to look at what we're doing today in the light of where we're headed for all eternity. He wants our hope to be in eternity, but our action to be today. See, light is about clarity. If you want to know where you're going, you turn the light on. You know, when I get up in the middle of the night to go to the loo, ever since I'm about 35, I've had to do that every night. What's that all about? <laughs> Nobody warned me about that. I, I don't turn on the light though. I feel my way there. And we've got this crazy bed with these corners that stick, these big timber corners that stick out. And every now and then I'll give the old toe ball kick. You know the old toe ball kick where you're walking past the toe ball on the edge of the bed and I'll just go crashing down and just lie there on the floor until I get through it. Because I don't have the clarity that light brings. Light brings clarity, doesn't it? And we need a light unto our feet so we know where we're going today, so we know what the next step is in our life. And, and that, notice how he says it's a lamp actually unto our feet. And a lamp is a smaller light. And then he says a light unto our path, which, which signifies the greater light is the direction that we're going and the smaller light is the next step that's in our lives. And he's saying don't make the next step more important than the major direction that you're heading. He says, your next step is important, but nowhere near as important as the journey that you're on. So if you falter in the next step, don't worry because you're headed in the direction of eternal life. Yeah. 
The great Bruno Benz once said, everybody is eternal and everybody is terminal. See, he was saying to us, once we get an awareness of the end of our lives, we gain a sense of clarity about eternity and about today. When we understand that we're all terminal, when we understand that there is only a short time, for some of it's a few days, for some of it's, it's 50 years to go, but when we understand that we are all eternal and that we are all terminal, we get a better understanding of what to do today and then the direction that we're heading in for all eternity. Titus 3.7 says, Being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, our ability to be confident as God's children and heirs on earth is a direct result of the hope that we have in eternity. If our hope is attached to earth, we're not going to be walking around as heirs of a heavenly kingdom. He wants us to be walking around as heirs and confident because we are looking at the light of eternity, not the lamp of our feet as our ultimate direction. Our our eternal expectations drive us beyond the limitations of our next step or the environment that we face. I love Romans 8.23. It says, We ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption into God's family and the redemption of our bodies. Your body is waiting for you to gain an understanding of eternal life. Your body, it groans. And once you have an eternal view, you stop trying to get so much out of your body. We try to get a lot out of our bodies, don't we? We try to get a lot of satisfaction out of earth and out of our body and out of our emotions. See, if we only, if we only seek satisfaction from our mind and our emotions and our body, we'll soon realise that they can never satisfy. There's only one thing that our body and our emotions and our mind has, and it's more. I need more. It needs to be bigger and faster and more exciting and more adrenaline and more of a buzz and more of a kick. It's never enough. Only eternal life can satisfy. Your body, your emotions and your mind are great tools and vehicles to be used, but your satisfaction, your peace and your confidence can only come from your eternal father. And once you discover an eternal hope, you actually give your body a little bit of a rest. Some of your bodies are asking you really loudly, just give me a break. Stop trying to get so much out of me. Turn to the person next to you and say, give your body a break. It's amazing what we do to our bodies, isn't it? To try to, to, try to gain satisfaction for life. We sculpt them, we shape them, we manipulate them. We lift these huge weights. We go to the gym and lift these huge weights so that we can build these beautiful glory muscles that we're never going to actually use outside of the gym. If you can lift 300 kilos in the gym, you need to come to my place and help me do some gardening. Because otherwise it's a waste. The Bible says, when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he says, your kingdom and your will come on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, we're asking God, will you give us eternal wisdom as we make decisions and live on earth? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to make decisions on earth about today 
our decisions for today, the lamp unto our feet in the light of eternity. So when we make a decision today, we can see that it's actually grounded in the direction that we're headed. He also says, seek first the kingdom. What sort of kingdom is it? It's an eternal kingdom. We, loved, we always seek peace on earth, don't we? Well, I, I need peace, Lord. Lord, give me peace. When the prophet Jeremiah talks about peace, he says, seek the peace what, of the city in which you live, and in its peace you will find peace. He's saying we've got to take the focus off ourselves and put it something bigger. And the peace that he, the word peace that, they, that the great prophet Jeremiah said was the word shalom, which is the wholeness and the eternal peace of our heavenly Father. So when we seek peace, We're actually seeking to ground ourselves in a kingdom of God that is not of this world. He says, I'm going to give you, the Apostle Paul says, he'll give you the peace that goes beyond your understanding. Our understanding, our mind, our logic is limited to the bounds of this world. But his peace goes beyond the bounds of this world because once you receive salvation, once you have your trust in his salvation, your peace is no longer sourced from this world or from your body. It is sourced from your heavenly home. So you're no longer citizens of earth, you're citizens of heaven. You are now ambassadors on earth. So when you come to earth, you actually bring your sustenance and your hope and your peace and your truth from your homeland. And your homeland is in the heavenlies. So here's the challenge. The challenge is to retrain your taste buds from an earthly satisfaction to a heavenly satisfaction. Because we've kind of got this dual citizenship thing, haven't we? We're citizens of heaven, but we're living on earth. We've got our light pointing us to heaven, but we've also got a lamp unto our feet, so we've got to live day to day here on earth. So God wants you to know, he wants you to, to actually make sure that the things that satisfy you are in the heavenlies so that you're not distracted by the things that can satisfy you in the short term on earth. And it starts with training and it ends with desire. You notice when you want to change your taste buds, when you want to change your taste buds from hamburgers to green smoothies, it takes a little while, doesn't it? It takes a little while. But eventually, you stop crying for the hamburger and you're actually crying out for a green smoothie. It's surprisingly true. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is what discipleship is. It's retraining ourselves. It's retraining ourselves to look at what's in front of us in the light of eternity. See, no loneliness, no depression, no unbelief. Nothing can rob you of your peace if your hope is rooted and grounded in things that are eternal. We begin to see ourselves as more than the skin that we live in and the emotions that we feel. We begin to see those things as vehicles to live out an eternal purpose, not a source of our peace. Your body, someone else's body, food, holidays, jobs, businesses, homes, none of these things have a peace that lasts. Because once you build a home, then you've got to maintain the home. Once you go on a holiday, you've eventually got to go back to work. 
once you get married, your husband gets a pot belly, and he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that amazing car that you, you know, you, you, Kristen fell in love with me because I had this beautiful car. Now I drive a family wagon without a family. <laughs> Figure that out. It's prophetic. I've got a seven-seater. It's prophetic. When we use our bodies for things other than what they were built for, not only do we damage our bodies, but we damage the things around us as well. When I was 17 years old, a few of my mates, we bought, we bought an, old, an old Falcon four-door. We didn't want to wreck a Holden, so we got a Falcon. And, um, so we bought this old Falcon for $500 or something like that, and we all pitched in, 10 of us pitched in 50 bucks each, and we bought this old Falcon. And we turned it into this... this um, paddock basher and we would take this thing out and we would teach young kids to drive in it and we would just go absolutely absolutely crazy in this thing we would be doing 110 kilometers an hour sideways through a paddock and um anyway one time we cooked it eventually i don't know how we got there but we cooked this thing and the and anyway we pulled over and stopped and it was that hot that the um the grass underneath the uh exhaust pipes there caught on fire and we burnt 200 acres of our friend's <laughs> dad's crop and uh, we were using this vehicle for something other than its intended purpose and uh, you know it was designed for transport and we were making it an adventure and uh, God wants you to be in an adventure but he doesn't want your body to be the vehicle of you of, he doesn't want your body to be that he wants he wants us as his body to be the vehicle of adventure. See, so you don't have everything that it takes. That car we had didn't have the suspension, didn't have the cooling capacity to deal with what it takes, to deal with what, it, what, what the pressure that we were putting on it. And God wants, us to, he wants you to know that if you're rooted and grounded in eternal things, they can take the pressure. They can take everything that you can throw at it. They can take the negativity of your past. They can take an abusive past. They can take a, a prosperous past, past and they can put it through the filter of things that are eternal and keep you focused. You won't, you won't gloat about a great past. You won't be depressed about a terrible past. You will say, I am eternal and this is just a few moments in time and that I get to live out because I am full of hope which is stirred up by my eternal salvation proverbs 23 7 this is my paraphrase of proverbs 23 7 the proverb is something along the lines of as a man thinketh, so he will be this is my this is my paraphrase into your hands will be placed the exact results of your thoughts it's been said that i realize the dominating thoughts of my mind will eventually reproduce themselves in outward physical action and gradually transform themselves into physical reality see if our hope is on earth and we're thinking about the things of earth then our earth is going to look pretty messy eventually it's going to be in outward actions and we're going to be trying to get too much out of our bodies we're going to be able to get too much out of our husband and wife's bodies we're going to get try to get too much out of our possessions and god's going i want you to have your anchor in me and in eternal life, and in the fact that you're a, you're a citizen of an heaven and an ambassador on earth. So our challenge is to train ourselves to have a new perspective 
eternal thoughts driving earthly actions. We said last week that the enemy wants you to get so obsessed with today that you stop thinking about the easiest question ever. Eternal life. Eternal life is the easiest question ever asked. Where would you prefer to spend eternal life out of the two options? It's the easiest question ever. The only reason that we don't answer that question is because we get so consumed with what's in front of us right now instead of looking at the light at the end of the pathway, which is eternal life. It's as we lift our eyes up and see where we're heading for eternity that we get to answer the easiest question of all time. And as we understand who God says we are, we begin to become less impressed by the strategies of the enemy and the circumstances that are in front of us and we begin to be solution-focused in where we're headed. We're not trying to escape anymore. We're looking at solutions of going through. Instead of looking at how we can get around things, we draw straight lines to eternity. See, the way that, the, the way that a light lights up the path is it's a straight path. And the light is not coming from us, it's coming from eternity to us. So we need to keep making sure our focus is on the light. And when we try to go around things, we take our focus off eternity. And God's going, no, I want you to come straight towards me. And whatever you've got to overcome, you can overcome it in Jesus' name. And whatever you've got to overcome will build you for what's on the other side of that mountain. So he's saying, draw a straight line today, a straight line to eternity, and just head in that direction. As you look for hope in God and in his capacity, you will right-size the situation in front of you. When I run the, when I run the um, Noosa Triathlon run course, uh, it's a flat course. And you know, the, you know the road, the Noosa Parade Road, and there's two little bridges, one at the Sheridan and one at Noosa Sound. But when you've just swum 1,500 metres and when you've just ridden 40 kilometres and you're running along, those little bridges actually look like mountains. Trust me. And they're like that high. And when you run over them, you're in agony because of what you've experienced, because of what, what you've just gone through before that. And God wants us to look at these mountains that are in front of us and see them in the perspective of what are the eternal light that's on the other side of them. And when you look at them from the perspective of eternity, you gain a little bit more energy and you realise that it is nothing in Jesus' name. One of our key verses for this year is Isaiah 12 too. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Why doesn't the worship team jump up? You know, we read something out at the start about um, who God is. And um, I'd love for you to stand with me right now and let's read it again. Let's, let's, let's try and establish whose dominion we're living in. Are we living in the dominion of earth or are we living in the dominion of God? Are we living under the authorities of earth or are we living under the authority of the kingdom of heaven? When we look at this, the things that are in front of us, he wants us to look at them in the light of what's coming out of heaven.
And as I read this, I want you to shut your eyes and I want you to think about who it is that we serve, who it is that we put our trust in, who it is that, that just people from this, this group, people out of this crowd right now have come up with this. They've got it out of scripture. They've, got it, they've put it together and they've said, this is who we believe God is. And I think it's important that this has come out of the body that, that what I'm about to read. Let's close our eyes and let's just rest in who God is. Lord, as I, as I read this, Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself to your people in a deeper way, Father. That you would reveal a heavenly, eternal perspective to your people in a deeper way today. There is only one living and true God who is infinite in being and perfection, who is unchanging, who is eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, most wise, most holy, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own constant and most righteous will. He is most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and in truth. He is forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself and is all sufficient, not standing in need of anything which he has made, not deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his glory in them, through them and upon them. He is the fountain of all being and of him, through him and to him are all things. His knowledge is infinite, infallible and independent and nothing to him is uncertain. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. He alone is worthy of our worship, and if we will not praise him, even the rocks will cry out praises to his mighty name. Let's praise God. Come on, church. Well, we pray you've been blessed by this message from Noosa Christian Outreach Church. For more information, please check out our website at www.noosacoc.org.au. See you soon.